Episode 5 reaction, goodness gracious, Brad Katona is a diva, but he's a self-proclaimed diva. He wants individual attention. Team Chandler tells him to put on the blue jersey because they don't want him on Team Chandler. Conor McGregor wants tree rounds. I want tree rounds. And we are joined by a special guest, the UFC Hall of Famer, the man, the myth, the legend, Daniel Cormier, who also coached season 27 of The Ultimate Fighter, who... Brad Katona just so happened to be on that season. So we break down Brad Katona, how much of a diva he is, how easy or hard he was to work with, and DC's experience as a coach compared to my experience as a coach. Bruce, hit him with the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! The Ultimate Fighter Season 31 Reaction Show What you. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard the man Bruce Buffer himself. This is the Tough 31 Reaction Show, Episode 5, hosted by yours truly, Michael Chandler, and brought to you by Car Shield. Thank you guys so much for tuning in every single week. The response thus far has been awesome. The show thus far has been a lot of fun to watch. A little bit of drama, lots of fights, little stuff in the house, little drama between me and Connor. It's been a blast thus far. Um, but first things first, every single week we have been doing a giveaway. What is the giveaway, you ask? It is my favorite book of all time, James Allen's As a Man Thinketh, a signed copy of As a Man Thinketh with a bookmark of a signed Panini card. So to enter to win, the description or the link is in the description here on YouTube. It's also in the show notes on audio, and it's also my link in my bio in on Instagram. Hop on there, enter the giveaway. Connor, hit us with the winner for this week, episode five. Winner for episode five is Zachary Lang. Zachary Lang, congratulations. You'll be receiving your signed copy of As a Man Thinketh with a very interesting bookmark, a signed Panini card by yours truly. So as I said, the link is in the description here on YouTube, also on the show notes on the audio version. And we appreciate you guys because this has been a lot of fun for us. It's been fun for me to watch on uh, on ESPN every single week. And it's also been great to have our guests uh, break down these episodes with us. A bunch of different perspectives from artists to other athletes to entertainers. We got some big time guests coming up in the coming weeks. But today is also a very interesting show for us as well because I brought in a special, I'm bringing in a special guest today. Um, because there's a lot of drama going on with Brad Katona. You can kind of tell there's a little bit of tension going on. Brad Katona thinks a lot. He's an overthinker, a serial overthinker. He's cerebral. Um, so me having to deal with <laughs> the uh, all of the ins and outs of how Brad Katona operates. You know, he is a very skilled fighter. He is good on the ground, on the feet. He's a strong, got a strong body. He's athletic. Um, but he likes to be coached a certain way. And he's very, he is very clear on his intentions here. He is not on a team. He is not team Chandler. He is not team ultimate fighter. He is team Brad Katona. And that's completely fine. Um, I knew that kind of after my first, after my first uh conversation with him, and then also even diving in deeper into his history. He has been on the ultimate fighter before. He has won the ultimate fighter. And it just so happens that he won the ultimate fighter season 27. And the coach 
was Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier, a good friend of mine. Um, so we're friends outside of business, outside of the octagon, outside of the UFC and that kind of stuff. We played golf together and, and um, hung out. We've worked together on ESPN and I've done his show a bunch of times, DC and RC. But he has the unique perspective of coaching Brad Catona on season 27. I have the unique perspective of coaching Brad on tough season 31, this current season right now. So we're going to dive in deeper onto his relationship with Brad Katona, any drama uh, that might have come up in that season, because it, it's really funny, too. I mean, you saw uh, on the episode, Brad Katona was there after one of the training sessions. All of our guys were waiting in the van, and, and he even said to John Cavanaugh, uh, I'm the diva-ist of the divas. So he is a self-proclaimed diva. And I don't – the funny thing about it is is – I wouldn't call him a diva. I would just call him a little bit more difficult to coach than every other guy on my team. Every other guy on my team, hey, I'm wearing the red jersey. I'm wearing a team jer team Chandler jersey. You know, coach, you are my coach. Tell me what to do. I'll show up and I'll do it. Whereas Brad Katona questioned everything. He also wanted to know what we were doing, not just at tonight's practice, but tomorrow's practice and then the next day practice. I want to know every single detail of every single practice leading up to my weight cut, leading up to my fight. When are we going to watch film? Can we use the UFC Performance Institute? Do you have Norma Tech boots? Do you have this? Do you have that? So as I sit here and explain it, maybe he is a diva. Or maybe he just really wanted to know what was going to happen before it happened. Um mainly because he is a serial overthinker. But um, let's go into first thing we always do. Uh, we're going to break down the fight between him and Carlos Vera. In a nutshell, what I would say about Carlos Vera is, A, I really like the guy. Um, spent a lot of time with him over the show compared to some of the other guys on Connor's team. Loved his spirit. Very positive. And then from a fighting standpoint, he trains at 50-50 uh, gym out there in Virginia. So he's got the ground on lock. He's got great guillotines, great, um, great leg locks. But he also has this interesting style where he, he kind of comes in the pocket and then rolls out, circles out, tries to stay out, keep you at bay, and then throw in nice hard shots straight down the middle, whether it be a right or right or a left hand, because he was switching stances or some very, very fast, powerful body kicks. And I can tell you they were powerful because I sat cage side, obviously coaching Brad. Um, but let's get into the fight. Uh, we're going to show you guys the highlights here and we're going to kind of break down the fight a little bit and um, let you guys know what I thought about it. So here's the highlights. I remember going into this fight knowing Brad is very Carlos basic out, and Carlos was very movement-based. This little switch kick right there. Circle out, evade, keep a lot of distance, and then come in and kind of blitzkrieg, especially with that step in. That blitz. Body kick. Here we go, Sean, that's it. Carlos was very good with those blitz. Out and then in. Out and then in. Brad had to come forward, had to come, had to get pressure on him to get him up against the cage to reduce the distance. Second Did a good job. Got on top of Carlos. Basically, wrote him out the entire round. Nice in there, in there. Nice. Lock those hands. Yes. Keep up that list. Get that list off you. Connor frustrated again. We worked a lot of cage defense and a lot of cage takedowns offense. So good with his his jujitsu, he was able to kind of get out of it. Carlos very good on the ground. Very technical. You saw a couple different reversals in this in this fight. A really exciting fight. Neither of these guys really showed an ability to finish. And I could seeing this fight go into a third round, but unfortunately the judges saw it differently. Oh. 
and the fight ends after two. Can't stop me now. So you saw Dana there too. Boy, does it not a very uh, not a very exciting fight. Um, neither guys was really neither guy was really going for the finish, and I. I expected that out of Brad. Obviously, I didn't know Carlos um, up before this fight. Got to know him a little bit, a lot of bit after this fight. Um, but I kind of knew that about Brad. If you look at Brad, he's there to win. He's very cerebral. He knows what the he knows exactly how the judges are scoring fights. He overthinks. He probably has a perfect uh, timer in his head of knowing exactly how much top control he had, exactly how how long he was on bottom. He probably has a punch count in his head. The guy is, he's a mechanical engineer, I believe it is. Um, so he's a very bright individual. Um, <laughs> the dude doesn't need to be fighting. He could be working for NASA probably. Um, but ultimately, you heard Dana there. It could have went to a third round. Obviously, you saw Connor's frustration. Connor, this was definitely the fight. When I go back and recollect, um, this was definitely the next fight because he, you know, if you remember last week, he wanted Timor versus Trevor Wells to go to a third round. Um, and you saw him even more in this episode, kept saying, tree rounds, we need to do tree rounds, we need to do, you know, it's not even a full fight, we need to do tree rounds. And I can't say that I don't, you know, that I disagree with him necessarily. It's always fun to get another round in. It's always fun to to watch. And it's also, you know, a test of the metal of just because Brad won the first two rounds doesn't mean he might get finished in the, in the last round. Just because Team Moore won the first two rounds doesn't mean Trevor Wells doesn't hit him with something and catch him. This is why we love mixed martial arts. Everybody is in danger at any given moment. Uh, however, this was the rules. I knew the rules going in. I knew it was two rounds. You heard me even there too when Connor kind of started mouthing off as, hey, we don't need a third round if he win the first two. Um, obviously, that's me being very biased because my guy won the first two rounds. However, if I was in the opposite position, I'm sure I'd be, I'm sure I would be fighting for and wanting a third round. But um, Brad did a really good job of closing the distance. Um, so anybody who watches me fight, uh, I have... A similar, um, I guess a, a, a similar problem with guys like that. Everybody does. Anybody who is circling out, staying outside of range and then kind of blitzing in and then coming back out of range, it's hard to get a beat on them. It's hard to, it's hard to pin them. It's hard to push them into a corner. Brad did a good job of throwing a one, two or a one, two, one while moving his hands and his feet while attacking to then make Carlos back straight up and then get up against the cage. And you guys know, you guys have seen the, uh, the trend thus far now after episode five, Team Chandler is not going to lose the cage match. The fight on the cage, both offense and defense, grabbing grabbing, grabbing legs to get the takedowns, uh, grabbing wrists, getting wrist control. If they do get pushed up against the cage, a la the Austin Hubbard fight, um, we're going to have great defense. Elbow in, two-on-one, hand control. Um, probably need to just do a full-on video of cage con cage control and cage defense uh, because that has been the, I think that's been the recurring theme and probably the biggest theme of Team Chandler, knowing that you have two rounds to win this fight. Therefore, you need to be on top more or pushing up against the cage more than the other guy doing that to you. Um, so you saw in the very beginning um, a little bit of a uh, little bit of tension between Brad and I. Um, there was there is a clip in there that I'm not gonna not gonna spoil quite yet because I don't know if they're gonna use it later on. But there was definitely some even more interesting moments between Brad and I um, that they did not show on this episode. 
that will probably be shown later on because now obviously he won this fight. So therefore he will fight in the semifinals. Um, so I'm sure leading up to that, they could show some more. Um, but you really start to see Connor and I's relationship as well as Connor takes loss after loss. Um, and then in his mind, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say that we have clear cut one every single round, every single minute, and there shouldn't have been a third round here and there. Um, so you're starting to see Connor's frustration with these fights only going two rounds. You're starting to see some frustration now that Connor is 0 and 5 and Team Chandler is 5 and 0. Um, loss after loss for a guy like Connor who likes to win, who wants to win, who expects himself to win. Um, so the, uh, the overarching theme of this episode is you got Brad Katona, who was born in Canada, who was an ultimate fighter winner, who sought out Coach Kavanaugh, John Kavanaugh, and moved, ended up moving to Ireland. He and his girlfriend, um, I believe her name was Katie, um, have been living in Ireland now for quite some time. It's been years now. And I knew that kind of going into it. And then also heard a couple other things too. I mean, I have it here in my notes. Um, one of the interesting things was my team heard that maybe Kavanaugh wasn't going to be coaching Carlos against Brad Katona, which I thought was a little bit odd. It's unfortunate because I got to give Connor credit because Connor has said, Hey, this is business. This is not, this is not about emotions. This is not about friendship. This is business. The business is it's team McGregor versus team Chandler. Team McGregor has his eight guys. Team Chandler has their eight guys. And you have to take the emotion out of it. Even if John Kavanaugh loves Brad Katona, Brad Katona loves coach Kavanaugh. It doesn't mean that Carlos Vera shouldn't be cornered by and coached by John Kavanaugh. Um, so you heard that in the episode, Carlos said something to the effect of Kavanaugh is not going to be coaching against me. And that was something that we amongst team Chandler, me and my coaching staff sat down and thought, Hey, this is, un this is unfair if this is true. Um, now with that being said, you know, I think it, it has been portrayed. Now you guys saw Connor coaching Carlos and realistically, I bet Connor, Connor showing faith in Carlos and Connor coaching Carlos is probably even more holds more weight than coach Kavanaugh at this point, not to downplay coach Kavanaugh, but Connor's the main guy. Connor's the superstar. Connor's the guy you're on team McGregor. So I will give, I will give a hat tip to Connor. Connor definitely showed up. I mean, you even saw it on the lead out as he's walking out there. Hey, he's a stationary boxer. Take his cap off with those kicks. Doesn't exactly speak like Connor and Brad Katona are that close or Connor is just, you know, business is business. Business is, business is tough. Sometimes you got to take the emotion out of it. And he was fully coaching Carlos. So I got to give my hat, uh, a hat tip to Connor there. He was definitely treating it like business and not using the emotion side of things. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting relationship between Brad and I interesting relationship between Kavanaugh and Katona and then an interesting relationship between Katona and my other my other guys on team Chandler you saw them there in the van can you pull up that van clip yeah. we're gonna pull up a van clip um the way the ultimate fighter works is my team was training I believe 10 to 12 and then Connor's team would come in from 12 to 2 um and then Katona was always kind of late for the van because he was always kind of hanging out in this type of scenario right here. 
where he would still be leaving the gym and kind of waiting around for Kavanaugh and the other coaches to come back. And rightfully so. You got your people. You still want to see them, even though they're not on your team. So here's here's uh, Brad Katona. <laughs> he calls himself the Diva-ist Diva. <laughs> Come the f*** on, Brad. How long does it take? You know he got to communicate with his team a little bit. You know he's got to communicate with his team a little bit. About the secrets. I want to hide his glasses. <laughs> hide them. Pissing me off, man. <laughs> We're ready to go, bro. I get it. He's your coaches, but bro, like, I think he's definitely being a demon. I feel like he just don't want to be on the team. I feel like he don't want to be on the team. Man, put on a blue jersey. Put on a blue jersey. So, so not to mention the fact that. These guys all live in a house together with 15 other dudes, not to mention the fact that um, you are got a camera on you at all times, which heightens your awareness, which heightens your irritability. You got a microphone on you, which heightens your irritability. You're stuck in this thing. You know you signed up for it. They all signed up for it. I'm not, I'm not saying that they, sh- they signed up for it, so therefore it should be easy, but it's already a stressful high stakes, high annoyance, easily annoyance scenario. And then, so these guys, when they get done training, they're ready to get on the bus, get on the van, get back to the house, which is a 30 minute ride, by the way, this wasn't a five minute ride. I thought it was a little bit unfortunate. I mean, my house was six minutes away from the, the P or uh, the apex. These guys had to drive 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back twice a day. So they're already on edge. Hey, Brad, get your butt in the vehicle. Let's get out of here. We're ready to go. We're ready to go home, shower, eat, maybe lay down for an hour or two, hang out for an hour or two, and then go train again. Um, so you kind of always saw Brad waiting around so he can get a little time with coach Kavanaugh, get a little time with the other assistant coaches. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the exact same thing, but I am saying that it's definitely going to alienate you from the team. These guys already say, go put on a blue jersey a blue jersey. These guys are already questioning your alliance to the team. But Brad has also made it very clear that he's Brad, he's team Brad Katona and he ain't team Chandler. He doesn't care about what Roosevelt says, doesn't care about what Jason Knight and all these other six guys say or whatever it is, five guys. Um so you're starting to see the interesting there's one odd man out on team Chandler and his name is Brad Katona. But he's he won his first fight, so he's doing all right. Being solely team Brad Katona is working out fine for him, but it was definitely driving a stake between himself and team Chandler. And uh, the guys, <laughs> there was a lot of conversations aside from what we've seen on the show where I could just tell right away, I was like, dang, my, my dudes do not like Brad Katona. But it doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It just means in this microcosm that we call the ultimate fighter my dudes weren't having it so um but i'm not the only guy to coach brad katona on the ultimate fighter brad katona won season 27 of the ultimate fighter and the coach on season 27 was none other than a good friend of mine a familiar voice in the ufc a former ufc double champion and a ufc hall of famer none other than daniel cormier we will hear from him right after this break because right now is a great time to take a break to hear a word from our sponsor car shield 
Now's a good time to thank our show sponsor, CarShield. We're all about who's the greatest here, and CarShield really goes to the mat for vehicle owners. They're the number one most trusted auto service protection company in America, and they're here to help protect you from surprise car repair costs. Flexible month-to-month plans through CarShield can cover up to 5,000 parts of your car after they break down. When you're covered through CarShield, you'll always have someone in your corner at the repair shop. Visit carshield.com and check it out now. Now, back to the show. The man, the myth, the legend, the UFC Hall of Famer, the double champ himself, DC. What's up, brother? How are you? My boy, Michael Chandler. What's up, baby? Hey, it's a little bit different than the ESPN show we got together. This is your deal. A little bit. I know, right, man? The first time I get to interview you, man. And it's actually perfect because you were a coach on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, You understand how everything goes, the 16 guys, the guys living in the same house, all that stuff. I actually had Bob Cook, who is a coach of yours, and he was a coach on The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. I had him out there as well for, I think, almost two weeks on the show. What was the experience like for you? How did you? Because I, I'll give you my take after you give me your take. But what did you? What would you? What did you love about The Ultimate Fighter? Didn't love so much and hated about The Ultimate Fighter. You know what I think about The Ultimate Fighter. One thing that kind of suits you and I, and what makes it manageable is that we coach. Right, we coached after college wrestling. We were in a coaching scenario when you start wrestling post uh, college, so it doesn't really bother you all that much because it's just an extension of what you do when you graduate, when you're in the wrestling world. But the heat, I can't stand the heat, bro. I, I hate being hot. So being stuck in Vegas during that time when it's starting to get warm, it, it's awful. But Vegas has a great food scene, right? You can always eat great places, and I love I love being around those kids because. What I got was essentially Connor's team. I got undefeated guys, but none of them had been in the UFC before, so they're all wide-eyed. You got veterans, guys that had kind of experienced it before. So I felt like like watching you, you can kind of advance the technique because these guys already know who they are as fighters. So I feel like you got a better version of the ultimate fighter than most of us did because the foundation for fighting with these guys that you're coaching are already really good. And when you couple that with your coaching ability and your skills, you get guys that can win. But it, it was it was a fun experience. Yeah, I think I I love the fact that I had the veterans. I love the fact that yeah, they weren't they they weren't as wide eyed. They've had their dreams shattered. They were handed a piece of paper that said you're not good enough. Their dreams and their goals. Yep. That that first day that you hear from your management or whatever, you're going to the UFC. Then you get the shot. You get the opportunity to fight on that stage going all the way to the end of it when you get the email or the phone call from your manager said, Hey man, you lost your last fight. You're you're just not good enough, right? It's over. So I felt like having the veterans, a, they had a lot more of a foundation. They've been through a lot more and they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So I loved having the veterans. I think they were a much more coachable. Um, and yeah, obviously being there in Vegas, the only thing that was tough for me, because you and I are very, very similar in the fact that even when we were fighting, we were still like coaches. We were still leaders on whatever team yep. we were around. You at AKA, I've been at a couple of different teams, but I've always been a leader. I've always been the guy that they say, the younger guys or even my peers at the same level as me or even like Dominic Cruz when I'm training with Dominic, he's world champion or he's number two, three in the world, whatever he was when I was training with him. He still would ask me for advice because I was a leader mentor on the team. So that that natural coaching role was great. The only thing I didn't prepare for was how much I was going to care every single moment of the oh entire God. show. And it drained me. 
it absolutely drained me. Did you have that kind of same experience where it drained you or, or were you a, a little bit laissez-faire about it? See, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you about your experiences. Like, how does it, because what happened for me is, right, when I did it, it was after beating Vulcan, I had just defended my championship, and now we're looking at something so big. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that super fight, which is something that you have uh, on the horizon also. But for me, I knew I would care because when I coach, I care about everything. The problem is you get consumed with it. And when you're consumed with it, it's like you leave the house or you leave the ultimate fighter gym. Where we were at, we were at the old gym off of Paradise. But you leave the apex now, you get back to the house, they get you a beautiful home to stay in. And all you're thinking about is what's next. What's the training plan? What's the schedule? Who's, who are we going to pick to fight next? Like, how are we going to do this? You guys are lucky, though, because you guys pick all the fights in advance. We had to go fight to fight. Like, I was the matchup. Guys injured. It's like, it really is like managing a professional team whenever you're on the ultimate fighter because you're dealing with the injury report the whole time. How can I extend this guy to where he doesn't have to fight right now? And it's like, it's just, yeah, it is very draining doing the show because you do ultimately care about the guys and what their future holds. But like, I want to ask you one quick, one quick thing. You're a guy that loves family. That has to be hard. Or did the family ultimately go with you to Vegas at all? Or was it just you away from the kids and the wife? Man, it was, I had Bree, my wife, and my, my oldest son, Hap, come out for about four days out of the entire five-week period. And, mm. and truthfully, looking back on it, I think I think that it started. We had plans for them to come out for maybe a week or two, but honestly, just like you said, every single waking moment was consumed by this show. So it would have been a waste anyway, and it probably would have been a little bit of extra undue pressure because I felt like I'd be sitting there. I could be sitting there at lunch or breakfast with my wife and Hap, and I'm just thinking about Cody's going to fight this guy, or hey, Cody has this, oh, yeah. or hey, this guy got a cut when in training, or this. It absolutely consumes you. So I, I think having them there for that three, four days was good. Cause I, I love to be able to see them in that five week period. But ultimately I was, a, I was coach Chandler. That's it. I was not Bree's husband. I was not yeah. Hap's dad. I was coach Chandler. I was ultimate fighter coach, team Chandler coach. And it was, and that's tough. Cause you know, being, being a father and, 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 and a fighter and an analyst and all of the different things that you're doing, you got to wear those different hats, but when you're consumed, you're all in. And that's where I was for those five weeks there. So I would have been a shell of a father and a husband anyway, if they were there for more than just a couple of days, but it was, it absolutely consumed me. And I think it was like week two, middle of week two, middle of week three. I called my wife. I was so homesick, man. I'm like, they got the pressures of all these different things. You got a microphone on you at all times. You got a camera on you at all times. It was just a lot more than I signed up for. Did you guys master the old Cover the microphone. No, I'm like the master of the microphone. Every now and then, yeah, you're like, uh, you're always, well, that was the one thing too. A, you're always walking on eggshells. You're not quite sure what they're going to throw at you, or if Connor's going to show up unannounced, or or Connor's going to whatever. But then also, you got the ca camera microphone on you at all times. You're like, okay, don't don't say and don't accidentally say something that you wish you wouldn't have said on TV, you yeah, know, because sure. they can use it however they yeah. want to do. So that's, that's the extra pressure. And I think, uh, yeah, man. So the one, one thing that we have in, in common was that we both, both coached yeah. Brad Katona. And I actually, on my pre-show, I had this, this red, uh, journal that I kept and it's so funny. I have a, I have a, a journal excerpt here. I want to read you. And it says, there's a little bit of things here, but I wrote in there that everyone, all the guys have been open-minded and hundred percent, uh, bought in except Katona. 
He has not bought in yet and is, and is not trusting me yet. His quote-unquote cut on his chin has made him sit out of practice, and he keeps asking me for individual work. But the problem is I have, yeah, I have yeah. him fighting next week, and I have four guys fighting this week. So that right there is – this was in real time. This was back in February, February 18th or something, week two, one of the show. And I'm like, it's only week one of the show, and this dude is already 100% Team Katona. Right. Talk to me about Brad Katona. That is Brad. Brad likes individual work. Yeah, that is Brad. Like he was like, so he's like Superman, right? Well, he's like Superman, right? He walks in with those glasses. He's a bit of a dorky guy, but man, he can fight. Yep. The kid can fight. He's so well rounded, but he does have a bit of a weird personality because when he sets his mind on something, it's going to be that way. Yep. I always was kind of when I found out the team, and I found out that Katona was on your team. I was like, I wonder how this is gonna work for Mike and Katona because first off, you're kind of a you're you're you and I are very similar in this regard. We are people that want to make people feel good. Yep. You could take the the you could take whether it's the janitor or the house cleaner or the president of the UFC. We try to treat them all the same way, yep. right? And you want to make people feel good. So when Brad Katona is asking for individuals, you want to make that happen for him because you want to make his experience good. So when they walk away from you, they go, man, you know what? This dude actually gave me his best. Yep. I knew, Brad, that would be the case. <laughs> and you would be almost having to almost try to, like, manage him to make sure he was doing what he had to do, but also give him the attention that he needed. Because when he was on my my season, it was very evident. We didn't pick him first. We picked him, like, third. Yep. But it was very evident right away. I was like, wow, this kid's much better than you could check in evaluation. and then. His his behavior showed a guy that is much better. To know him, he kind of wants you to kind of, you know, appease him yep. in those ways. Which is hard because you got seven other guys. You had eight guys on your season, right? Yeah, so you got you got, yep, you got seven guys. other guys, and not to mention the fact that for me, all pulling at yeah, Katona. Well, and that was a funny thing. Nobody pulled from me. Everybody just showed up and said, hey, tell me what to do. Yeah, if I get some individual stuff here and there, whether it be an emotional uh, connection conversation, philosophically, you know, make me feel good about myself conversation or tactically X's and O's. Here's how we're going to win this guy individual attention. But Katona, and it was interesting for, for my season, they didn't show this, but he had this little bitty scratch on his chin. And he called it a cut. He probably thought he had staff. No, man, he, he just, it, you could see it. And it was, it was a little red, but... And that's me and you, though, dude. Like college wrestling, dude. I don't care if I'm split wide open, dude. Coach is gonna, yeah. Coach is gonna he have did. to. He's gonna have he to did. duct tape me to a chair for me to not be in practice. And I got Katona saying, like, well, maybe you could just work with. I want to hit mitts, or I, I, I should do this. If you were in my position, and it's funny, I hope they use this clip later. I guess we'll find out. But like, there was a moment too where he's like, well, you just gotta, you know, if you were in my position, I'm like, if I was in your position, I'd have my ass on the mat. Yeah, like, so, yeah. So it's like, don't tell me if I was in your position because you don't want to know what I would do if I was in your position because that's not that's not your MO. You want your individual attention. You want to know what happens next. And what I found interesting with him was and you see this all the time with athletes. You might have it with your high school athletes now or even the guys that AKA that you kind of mentor, coach, manage, whatever. They want to know what's happening, not just like next practice, but hey, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing uh, Thursday? Hey, are we gonna, what are we doing for recovery? He wanted to have all this stuff planned out. And I'm like, you being a coach, understand you're like, dude, I have so much stuff to figure out right now. I'm not worried yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. your 
little things in your protocol yeah, list you that you want to get know all about in the next six days. I don't know, Brad. I don't even know where I'm eating dinner tonight, <laughs> let alone what you're doing yeah. four days from now. You know, so it was just you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy because it's crazy because that's only Brad. Brad's very meticulous, right? But and then the, the, and then to play devil's advocate a little bit is like his experience is only his. And I've learned this with my people, right? Like every time I'm talking to a parent and it might be a, get a bit contentious, I always remember the only thing that's important to them is their kids. They they don't care that I have 35, 100 other kids to manage. What's most important in their life is their kid in their moment. So they try to push that to the forefront, make it most important. And honestly, that's one thing about Brad is, and most athletes is that we do that. We were fortunate in the regard that Michael Chandler can build his camp. And even though you're at Safford or Stanford MMA or Kill Cliff, even mm-hmm. though you're at Kill Cliff, you guys have went through some big time sponsors, dog. Yeah. Even though you're at Kill Cliff now, uh, you'll build a camp within that camp, right? Because it's Michael Chandler's world and you have the money, you have the funds, and you have the profile. But it's like, they, as the ultimate fighter, they're there to not only learn from you, but take as much as they possibly can. And I think that's that's uh, that's his approach. And he also, he's won this thing, right? So he kind of thinks like he knows how to manage it. And, but I'm telling you, that can be a bit of an annoying yeah. type of, uh, that's a bit of a bit of an annoying uh, part to his personality. Outside that, he's a very nice kid, but he does have that. He, I got a question for you, though. One one quick thing. I, I got to know this, Mike. I got to know this, bro. This dude's like Canadian. Yeah. But now he's Irish. Yeah. And he trains with McGregor. And yeah. Like, like how was that, dog? Well, so was that? it was interesting right away because because you know you get the list of all your guys. It's twenty something guys. It gets whittled down to sixteen, and and behind by his name it said SBG Ireland. So I already knew he trained at SBG. So speaking of that, going to the annoyance that kind of happened from the very beginning, and you heard Brad Katona. I think it was episode one. He's like, you know, I'm Team Chandler. The people might wonder where my allegiance lies, but my allegiance is with Brad Katona. I'm a hundred percent Team Brad Katona, and that was so much different. Than and the rest of my team also, my team knew right away. They're like, hey, all of us are Team Chandler except that dude. And that was since like day one. And there's even a, a scene in this last episode. All my dudes, all seven of the dudes besides Katona are waiting on the van. And they show Brad Katona sticking around practice later. And then Team McGregor comes in and he's talking to Kavanaugh. He's talking to Roddy. He's talking to the other Team McGregor coaches to get his time with his team. And my team's just chirping. I'm like, damn, where's Brad? Dude, I'm going to hide his glasses. This Roosevelt Roberts, yeah, who's just yeah, an absolute yeah. dog, is like, dude, man, I, you just go go put on the blue jersey. You know, my dudes made it pretty evident pretty quickly they didn't like him. And I think Brad didn't really care, honestly, which is a skill. It's an acquired skill because he had not j- – I, I think the guys on Team McGregor liked him more than my team for sure. So it was an interesting – every single practice was interesting. Well, I'm like, okay, I got my dudes, and then I got Katona. That's what I got. That's what Team Chandler is. I got my dudes, and I got Katona. And I will tell you this. I think it's playing pretty well on camera. I I think uh, 
mine and Katona's relationship continued to evolve. And I think he knew that I was, even though it annoyed me, even though I didn't like his cerebral and need to know what's happening next. Hey, individual attention type of team, Brad Katona it, within team Chandler. I still, I still humored him. I still, I still gave yeah. him what he needed because that's what we signed up for. You, when you sign up on the dotted line, you're going to do your job. And that's what I knew I had to do, but it didn't yep. mean that team Chandler liked him. I, I, I liked him more yeah. than my team did. Let's put it that way. My other seven dudes <laughs> liked him a lot less than I did. <laughs> that's so funny. But you yeah, can it was see weird though, man. Like he just, even when he was on the ultimate fighter with me, it was like, he just, he fit in, but it was kind of to a degree. Yep. Right. Everybody, it felt more like they respected him more than those guys are like his friends. And I don't yeah. think, and for him, he just does not care. And I think that's what makes him so good. Yeah. He doesn't really give him a fault. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and traditionally too, we know the ult, as the ultimate fighter goes, there's 16 guys. One of, you know, one is team or eight or team Chandler, eight or team McGregor, but you know, historically, there's been team switches and changing of the jerseys yep, and absolutely. guys on the same team fighting each other. So I think him already having that experience once knowing, yeah, these guys are wearing the same jerseys as me right now, but I might be fighting them. And I think there was a little bit of a, a ploy there to not show his cards too much and train with Hunter. And if you if you know the history too, Hunter beat him in the UFC, you know? Yep, um, yeah, so and then um, there was another... There was, I think there was one other thing too, but yeah. So, I mean, it, basically him and Hunter were competing for that same spot. And so it was, you never quite knew if it was self serving or if it really was a cut or if it was just his hyper, hyper focus, hyper mental, hyper think mentality, but man, it was, uh, it was fun, but obviously, you know, he went, <laughs> he wins the fight. Uh, he beats Carlos Vera, um, just like you said, doing exactly what he needed to do. He is a talented guy. He's a strong guy. You see that in his physique. He loves. Was he shirtless ninety seven percent of the time on your on your uh, episode yeah, as well? Yeah, on your yeah. season, he's so ripped. Oh, he's ripped. I think he was down to his weight. Like he was at one forty five. I think whenever he was on my season. That's so right. Yeah, he's fighting up right now. He was down at his actual weight, so you can imagine how like how ripped he was. Yeah, he's he's big. He's like he's like he's like a Canadian dude that has an Irish accent now. It's like the weirdest. Because every was, now and again, you can hear the Canadian accent slip, the Irish accent. Dude, I'm sitting here. Brad. Yeah, I was sitting here with my media director. Connor's like, hey, so wait, where is he from? What accent is that? I'm like, well, it's it's born Canadian, lived Canadian most of his life, moved to Ireland. So you got a little bit of, plus he's, you know, he's a mechanical engineer. He already talks a certain way. Yeah, he's very smart. And, and, then, and then he's got the Canadian accent mixed with the Irish accent, mixed with, uh, you know, Brad, I'm team Brad Katona, but I, I say that because you and I can have a nice laugh. Oh, and I yeah. and I think Brad Katona and I, he knows I he knows where we he and I stand. Like we can sit here and like we have nothing against him. He's just a little bit different. He was different from my team, a little bit different from your team. He I love what you said. He fit in, but it was only to a certain degree. And ultimately, I'd probably be the same way. I'd be team Michael Chandler as well. I'd probably make it a little bit more. Yeah. I'd probably fit in a lot more than he did, but it's an individual yeah. show. I don't think that. I don't think that you and I have that ability to live <laughs> five weeks just alone. Yeah. Like we're making friends. Yeah. That's stuff like we're going to go make somebody our friend. We'll make the weirdest guy on the team. I'd be friends with Brad Katona because I know nobody else is his friend. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got to go sit with him. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I got to just sit with you, man. We'll talk about some interesting Canadian Irish <laughs> engineering yeah. stuff. Dude, well, wait. Well, yeah, hey. I mean, how's life in Ireland? Dude? How's that? <laughs> like, yo, how's life in Ireland? Like, man, growing up as an Irish kid, how was that? Yeah. He'd be like, uh, well, actually, I was born in Canada. 
You know, like, <laughs> you know, he's got the the Canadian accent, and then every now and then, it, you know. So yeah, dude, it was it was funny. It was interesting. So I love that we because I wanted to have you on the the show, whichever uh, episode it worked out. But this one was perfect because we both had that experience. You are yeah. a great dude, a, a a Hall of Famer for a reason, a great coach, the man, and uh, I appreciate Thanks, you Mike. you being a part of this. And uh, let's go play some golf together soon, man. Let's go do it. Absolutely, man. Let's do it, dog. Let's do. It. Hey, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But just make sure when we if we get on the course, we'll make them nice, high and tight, like high and tight. High and tight. I still ain't never seen nobody. I still ain't never seen nobody wear tighter shorts on the golf course than you did, bro. That's like, me, that dude. I gotta be free out there. I gotta, I gotta feel like I'm wearing my 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 hiked up uh, Valetudo spandex shorts when I'm out there golfing. That's yeah, where I that feel mo- the most athletic. <laughs> I've never uh, in my life seen anything DC, like. you're the man, bro. I I appreciate you, man. I'll see you at Thanks, the top. Mike. All right, my brother. See ya. And there you have it, boys and girls. What an awesome, interesting perspective to have Daniel Cormier. Obviously, Daniel Cormier is a guy that I've wanted to have on the show um, since the very beginning. I've reached out to him months ago uh, when we knew we were going to commit to this. But it just so happens that this had to be the perfect week to do it because, as we said, he was the coach on season 27. So to have that inter- interesting perspective, the the uh, personal perspective of all, of himself coaching a guy who is now on my season uh, in Brad Katona just made a ton of sense. And as you can see, too, um, you know, you saw me and D.C. get a nice little laugh. Uh, me and D.C. talking about our, our experiences with Katona. Um, Katona's – Katona's – I guess, mindset for the show wasn't necessarily right or wrong. Maybe it was different than say, you know, Roosevelt Roberts or Austin Hubbard or Jason Knight or Hunter or one of the Cody, one of these other guys on the, on my team that kind of just showed up and said, Hey, I'm part of this team, team Chandler. I do think they fed off of it. Whereas their motivation was I'm part of team Chandler, Michael Chandler, the head coach and the coaching staff that we have here loves me. They want to pour into me. They want to, they want, they want to see me do well. Whereas Brad Katona was just there, as he said, self-proclaimed on team Brad Katona, which was a completely different perspective than the other seven guys. And obviously the tension between he and the team shows it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he was wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that he was taking the wrong approach. Um, but it does, it does say that there's going to be, uh, you know, some negative, I guess, feelings, some negative consequences, some negative repercussions of having that way of, of moving forward when it's all about you and you want your individual attention. You want to have every practice. I would have a, a, a list of notes going on between me and my coaches, striking coaches, grappling coaches, wrestling coaches, all of us together. And then Katona would want to come in and say, well, I'd rather do this. And you're like, okay, well, doesn't matter what you want to do. But anyways, um, so I hope you guys enjoyed uh, all of that. Obviously, this episode was very, I think it was very, uh, obviously, it's about an individual a lot, Brad Katona. But the overarching theme of going back to eight guys who you just became, they just came into your life a day ago. And then you have to move forward for the next four weeks, five weeks on this competition. They have have to go from complete strangers to the guys whose future hangs in the balance and you are in control of it. You being me, the coach, and my coaching staff. So um, dealing with a bunch of different personalities plus their own ways that they like to do things, how they want to cut weight, how they want to train, when they think they should go hard, when they think they should pull back a little bit and have a recovery day, dealing with all of the different emotions, all of the different, I guess you would say, perspectives and also goals of each fighter. 
was uh, something to behold. And as you saw with my my uh, interview with DC, this was one of the toughest, most challenging things I've ever done in my entire life. People ask me, would you do it again? And in hindsight or retrospectively, yeah, I definitely would do it again because it was a great experience. I think I made a difference in these guys' lives and in their futures and their family's future. And obviously 12, 12 weeks straight on ESPN is, is a phenomenal platform, but it was definitely tough and it was definitely challenging. So um, I hope you guys can see that. I hope it's translating well on TV, on ESPN every single week that you guys are seeing how much I cared. And, you know, quite frankly, I think I cared too much, but uh, that's just what I do. Throw yourself fully into the fire so you know you can become something great or something different or the man or the woman that you were destined to be on the other side of the fire. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. The response has been absolutely awesome. Make sure you guys are joining uh, joining in your entries on our giveaway here in the YouTube uh, description, the show notes on audio, as well as on my link tree in my Instagram, um, my Instagram bio, Zachary Lang, right, Connor? Zachary Lang was our big winner this week. Don't forget a signed copy of my favorite book, As a Man Thinketh, with a bookmark of a signed Panini card. So with that, we will leave you for this week, the episode five Tough 31 reaction show brought to you by Car Shield, hosted by yours truly. Thank you all so much for being a part of this journey with me. God bless. We'll see you at the top. 